Well, good morning, Mission Valley. My name is Phil. I'm the associate pastor here. And um, you know, it's always a blessing to, to be in church with you all because you really are you really are family. And I don't say that lightly. Um, you know, just uh, a few moments ago as we were singing, I was just thinking about, you know, those that are impacted by these storms, uh, those uh, that have been impacted by earthquake, those have been impacted by, uh, you know, just being born in, uh, in different countries where, where things are totally, totally different than what we have here. And um, I was just thinking, God, what do I even have? You know, I'm, I'm here, I'm sorry, what do I even have? You know, I feel like I have nothing. And, um, and I felt like, you know, a lot of times when I'm thinking, man, what do I have? And I'm always reminded, well, you have breath in your lungs, you're alive, you know. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, just give me your breath. And so this morning, it's my prayer that the words that come out of my mouth, the, the breath that I let out, that these would be God's words, that as you read with me his word, it would speak to you, that it would move you deeply, and that you would not leave the same from this place. Because I, I truly believe that that happens when we encounter the Lord, when we come face to face with God, we can't help but change. So that's my prayer for you all today and, and for myself. But, uh, you know, if you're, if you're joining us uh, for the first time or, or you've been in and out, we've been in this, uh, in this sermon series on Revelation. And uh, Revelation is uh, many chapters long. We're, we're not going to go through the whole thing. We're just focusing on chapter 1 through 3. And in these first chapters, we find letters. We find letters that are passed on to us from John, uh, given by Jesus. And uh, we see these seven churches. Now, at the time in the region, there was like maybe ten major cities, and seven churches are mentioned here. Okay? And out of these seven churches, they had, you know, different influence, they had different size, but these are the churches that, that our Lord chose to speak to. And in each church, there's kind of this pattern that we see. So uh, you can go to the, the five-part pattern. Uh, we see in each letter to the church, the letter says who it's to, you know, what church this letter is for. It says who it's from. And when he gives the, the, the you know, this is who it's coming from, it's coming from Jesus, there's different imagery that's given with that. And, and that's saying something about, you know, who the Lord is. And then third, there's characteristics about that particular church. He gives us encouragement. Hey, this is what you guys are doing good, right? I mean, that, I mean that's, a, that's a, a good thing to, to think about because the next thing, he tells them what they're doing wrong. Or he tells them, hey, this is what's coming. That's not going to be good. You guys got to, you know, be mindful of that. So, so that's a, and I think that's a godly pattern. You know, if you have something to share with someone, like, hey, you're messing up with this, it's, it's actually, it's really good if you start with thinking, well, what are they doing really well? How can I encourage them first? And, and I believe that's what the Lord is doing here with these churches. He's saying, you know what, you guys, you're doing this great. 
But here's the thing we need to work on. Here's the thing that I want to point out. And lastly, he gives them something to do. Right? Here at this church, a lot of times we end our sermons most times with a weekly challenge. And uh, that's like your homework for the week, right? Because it doesn't matter if we come here to church, we listen to something, and then we leave and, and nothing happens, right? I mean, this church service, this is our family celebration. We're celebrating what God is doing in our lives. We're being inspired by each other, held accountable by his word, and then we're sent back out. We're sent back out to, to live life that God has called us to live, right? So we need to be doing something about that. So we give you a weekly challenge. So Jesus does that. He's, he says, hey, this is who the letter's to. This is who it's from. This is what you guys are doing great. And this is what you need to work on. And here's something for you to do. Practically, here are your instructions. So just a quick recap. We've already talked about uh, the church in Ephesus. Um, and we talked about how uh, Ephesus, they're doing great things because they can't bear those that are teaching evil. They're so good to test the teaching. They're so good to test the teaching, to hold it accountable to the word. And they have good theology, good understanding, right? But he says, but you've lost, you've abandoned, you've left your first love. You lost that passion. You're doing the things, but you lost the reason why you're doing it. And so what he tells them to do is to remember what you did at first. Remember what you did at first. When you first fell in love with God, when you first knew him, you were so on fire. You were so excited to follow him. Go back and do those things. Repent and go back and do those things, right? And he tells them, you know, if, if you don't, then, you know, all this stuff's going to come your way, right? The next church we talked about was Smyrna. And the church of Smyrna, these guys were really persecuted already. I mean, more persecution is coming to all the churches. Like, really bad persecution is coming. But already this church is being severely punished and persecuted by uh, the local Jews who says these Jews are not acting like Jews. Jesus even calls them a synagogue of Satan. And he says, do not fear what you're about to suffer. He's telling them it's going to get even worse But here's what you need to do. You need to be faithful. You need to hold on. It's powerful. He even says, be faithful unto death. But again, with each of these, he gives them, you know, hey, but if you do this, remember, you have this eternal reward. The third letter we talked about was to the church in Pergamum. And he says, you know, I know, again, these guys are being persecuted. I know you're in a place of persecution, but you're doing good to hold fast you're not abandoning your faith. But, but the thing you guys need to watch out with is you've let this bad teaching come in. And some of the people in the church, they're beginning to follow the teachings of Balaam and the Nicolaitans. And you've been caught up in sexual immorality and false worship. And there's a lot of teaching going on at that time that, hey, you guys are forgiven. It's all good. God forgave you. So do whatever you're going to do and just ask for forgiveness. Right? So he's coming against that. And he tells them, repent. You've got to turn around and flee from this behavior. Turn back 100% or you're going to be destroyed. And so this, is, this brings us to where we are today. And today we're talking about the church in Thyatira. 
So a little background, you know, some of your books, uh, some of your Bibles, if you have like notes and stuff, uh, commentators, a lot of them call this church the apostate church, the church that left the faith or the corrupt church. Um, this is, uh, I mean, how would you like to be known as that church? <laughs> For uh, thousands of years, everyone's reading about you thinking, man, these guys are the corrupt church. It's terrible, right? This city is arguably one of the most insignificant cities, you know, in this group. This city is really, it's, it's actually more of a town than what we would think of as a, a city. But this letter to this church is longer than any of the other ones. Why? Why did God speak to John about Thyatira and give them so much to say? Um, Thyatira, it was known for its guilds or its trade unions. It was a blue-collar city. They produced, uh, like, pottery. They were known for their wool products, clothing, uh, fabrics. Uh, this was a specialty that they had. And whatever your, your trade or your industry was, there was this a guild, kind of like a union. But it was, like, one of those things that was required to do business. And... Uh, in these guilds, um, you know, they had, they had you know, strict guidelines because they really believed that each guild had a patron god or goddess and that if they didn't serve that patron deity, then they would bring about on themselves, you know, destruction or the business wouldn't do well. And um, Thyatira is mentioned in, in a couple other places. Uh, maybe you thought about Lydia. Uh, in Acts, in the book of Acts, in Acts 16, 14 through 15, it says, One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira. And they're in a different city. They're in Philippi. Um, so Lydia is visiting Philippi from Thyatira. And it says, A seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed among us, uh, upon us. So Lydia is, is mentioned in Acts. Um, she's noted as being a dealer of purple cloth from Thyatira. She was a follower of God. Paul's message moved her. And it's possible that, that, you know, some scholars believe that she may have been the one to bring back the gospel to Thyatira. That she might have been the one that was so moved that when she went home that she had to share with everyone. And that's how the church started. Uh, we know that, that Paul took her up on that offer. And, and later when he, he and Silas got released from jail, they went to Lydia's house. They went to Lydia's house and says that they were encouraged. You were encouraged by the body of believers there. So Thyatira, known for these trades and for their guilds. And um, like I mentioned, these guilds, they, part of that was that membership was worship of their God. And a lot of times they would have these, um, not, it's not certain how frequently, but they would have kind of festivals or meetings. Uh, maybe you think of like trade shows or union meetings or, you know, something like that, but they would have these kind of festivals or services. And when they would come together, they would worship. Part of that would be, you know, they would talk about business. They would talk about these different things, but they would t worship their God together. 
And this often in many of these guilds, it, you know, there was uh, just um, the practices that they had, they either directly involved or ended up in drunkenness, uh, just sexual sin and, and acts and just all kinds of debauchery. So since that was directly tied to being a part of the guild, and you think about this, for them to, to show loyalty to the guild, for them to, to show that, hey, they're part of this group, they had to do these things, it's kind of like if we think about anything, uh, maybe it's uh, when the national, uh, you know, we salute the flag or national anthem or something, if someone is just like, there, I'm not going to participate. They say, hey, everybody rise, you're like, I don't care. You know, people kind of look like, man, this person has no respect. They don't care. Um, you know, it's kind of like that, but way worse. Way, way worse, right? So for these guys that are not participating, then right away, they, they would be noticed. The others in the group would think, man, these guys are not on board. They're not with us. What's their deal? Uh, what's wrong with these Christians? And so they'd be kicked out. And that would mean they would lose jobs. They would maybe not be able to participate in, in their trade. Or um, they would just you know, not be able to do well in business. So for them to go unnoticed, that would mean that whatever they're doing, they would continue doing. And for many of them, it was the difference of, do you want to have your business be successful and continue, or do you want it to just be cut off and, and to fail? And, and these were really real things that these guys had to deal with, right? So let's, let's get into Revelation two eighteen through 29. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. You can follow along on the screen. Uh, but let's read through this, and then we'll, we'll go through those five parts. To the church in Thyatira, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira, and Pastor Dave explained that when he's saying that, he's talking about, hey, this is to the leader of the church. This is to the leader of that church. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works." And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have, hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and keeps my words until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken to pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father, 
and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, so let's go through our five parts. Number one, who's it written to? The angel or the leader in the church in Thyatira. And these letters, they were given to all the churches. So all the churches are hearing what the Lord is saying about themselves, and they're also able to hear what the Lord is saying about these other churches, and they're able to learn from that as well. So number two, it says, From who? It's from the Son of God who has eyes of fire, feet like burnished bronze. Revelation is full of imagery. We know that already. Scholars, you know, they have different opinions about what these are referencing. Some are, are, are mentioning, you know, when you think about the eyes of fire, fire often is purity. It's calling out to that purity. You guys are, are corrupted with these sexual practices. Fire is also, or the eyes are also seeing. He's able to see everything. Nothing that they're doing is hidden. Those decisions that they're making in private, it's not hidden. He sees that. Right? The burnished bronze. Burnished is a uh, you know, word is describing like something being polished. It's really well polished. So um, his, his feet are like shining bronze. Right? And that directly makes me think of, you know, at the end when he talks about these bronze, this hard metal striking these clay pots, being able to stop and destroy um, these, these earthen vessels easily. Um, so he's coming and he has eyes of fire that maybe see, that see the impurity, that see, you know, what is going on in his feet. They're strong and it's polished bronze. And, uh, you know, a lot of these letters, you know, they're all saying, you know, hey, God is coming in judgment. He's coming in judgment. We need to change. We need to repent. We need to move from what is being done. Number three, what's good? Their works, their love, faith, service, patient endurance. Remember the first church, Ephesus, the thing that he had against them? He was saying, what you had first, you lost that. You guys were so good in the beginning, but you lost that. You lost that, that love for me. You lost that passion for me, and you're just doing things. You're just stuck on the teaching. You're just stuck on the, the mind stuff. You lost the heart for me. And he's saying, go back. Well, to these people, um, you know, they've been improving. They've been growing the things that they're doing now, they're better than they were before. I mean, they've been learning, and, and he, he gives them that thumbs up, saying, man, you guys are doing good. Your works, your love, your faith, your service, patient endurance, you guys are doing so much. You know, I really feel he's speaking to the church. Is like, you guys are out in the community. You're making an impact. You're doing all these great things. You're showing each other love. You're learning more and more. And then we come to number four. He says, what's bad? You tolerate that woman Jezebel teaching evil. Some of you may have thought of, of when you hear that name Jezebel. We've read about Jezebel, Jezebel earlier in the word. We, in 1 Kings, uh, we learn about Ahab 
King Ahab and, and Jezebel, his wife. And, um, you know, in that, in that time then, Ahab, he was a northern king, and he married this uh, Sidonian woman, Jezebel. And as happens, his wife began to um, just have influence on him, and he began to, to get interested in her God, and he started worshiping her God, and he started erecting these temples and these worship places for Baal. And then she, with the power of the king, she begins to kill all the prophets of the Lord. Right? She's this wicked, wicked woman. This is the one who uh, the prophet Elijah goes up against. Right? So Elijah, he's, he's fighting Jezebel and Ahab. Some people think that, you know, hey, when he's mentioning this Jezebel, that maybe it's a woman that is being likened to Jezebel. Maybe it is a literal woman whose name is Jezebel. Maybe it's a Jezebel spirit, the spirit of um, just uh, kind of infiltrating the Lord, uh, the Lord's house and bringing about these wrong practices. Whatever the case, he speaks pretty specifically like he's speaking to a person, right? And he, he tells us that, hey, I've already given her moments to repent. That speaks to me. Because this wicked person, God has given her moments to repent. You know, I don't know how it was processed. His judgment has not come yet. How many of you guys know that sometimes when we get away with something or we're doing something and judgment doesn't come, maybe you get caught and nobody cares, you think, eh, hey, I guess it's cool. Not a big deal, right? Sometimes that, that lack of judgment in that moment may be God saying, grace, giving you grace. You need to repent. You need to change. We know that judgment is coming. Jezebel has been given moment, time to repent. She's not turning. So he gives a warning. Hey, I gave her a chance. Now judgment is coming. Those that continue with her, they're going to get what she gets. They're going to receive this destruction. You can imagine... Thyatira, this is a city that has been set in its ways, its customs, its tradition. You know, all these trade guilds are, are, are set up, they're established. They've been doing things this way for a while. The gospel comes. People are impacted. You know, I, I think that even, you know, a lot of these church leaders that, that came from this culture, that the Holy Spirit is witnessing to them, testifying to them, and they maybe even were just torn about, man, this doesn't seem right. You know, what Jezebel's teaching, this doesn't seem right. I mean, yeah, yeah, we're forgiven, but it just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right to just continue in sin. But then again, remember, there's that real reality. These guys are providing for their families. They were probably already established in their business, in their trade, their relationships with clients and vendors and all this stuff. 
and they're being challenged with that direct, you know, situation of, hey, if you don't participate, you're going to lose it all. So I think actually it was probably kind of easy for a lot of them. It was reassuring for a lot of them. It was comforting to have this teacher, this Jezebel, saying, hey, guys, it's only business, right? It's not personal. It's not spiritual. It's just business. Just separate. It's just business. You know, we got to do what we got to do. You can't leave the guild. Are you kidding me? You can't leave the guild. You guys will be out on the streets begging for money. Just keep doing it and and just ask for forgiveness. Come back to church on Sunday, right? You can imagine the internal turmoil that many of these believers faced. Do I sin in the workplace so that I can continue Or do I make a stand and risk losing it all? Do I really believe that God says that he's faithful? Do I really believe that I'll be okay? Is it really that bad that I'm sinning? If God is so good to forgive, surely he can just keep forgiving me. It also applies to to students, you know. I think that when we think about pressures that we face, um, you know, it's it's easy. It's easier a lot of times to just leave our Christianity in the parking lot, to just go in unnoticed, to just go in and say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to stand for anything. I'm just going to go with the flow. You know, it's so easy to do that, right? But we believe that God is looking for people who will live in truth and love 100% of the time. People who will strive to follow him in all areas of their lives. There's no separation, right? There's no difference. You are you. You're the same everywhere you go. You should be. In the study entitled An Ordinary Day with Jesus, John Ortberg and Ruth Haley Barton write, Doing the right work with the right attitude and the right spirit is immensely important. Because the most important thing you bring home from work is not your paycheck. The most important thing you bring home from work is you. And here's the scary thing about the warning that is given to this church. If you noticed in the beginning, Jesus says, but I have this against you. You tolerate. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. He doesn't say, I have this against you. You guys are doing all these things in these guilds. You guys are participating in all this sexual immorality. Your whole church is messed up. He says, you tolerate. Maybe you're not the one doing the things. Maybe you're not the one participating in all the wrong that's going on around you. But what are you allowing to go on under your watch? What are you tolerating? Because the Lord says you're accountable. This brings us to that final point, that fifth point, where he says, what do they need to do? And he says, you know what? 
basically he said, if you guys are caught up with this Jezebel, you're doing these things, you need to repent of that. But if you're not, if you're some of the people that you're not, you've held back from that, this is what you need to do. Only this one thing, you need to hold fast. You need to hold fast. The words that are used uh, depict this, like, this clenching, this grasping. And so it's kind of, you can imagine, if you're holding on to something, there's other things trying to pry that away from you. And that's what was happening to the church, is they were trying to hold on to the faith, but it was so hard because they were getting influence. They were getting influence from just these evil teachers. So I believe he wants them to hold fast to their faith to hold fast to the church, uh, uh, to the truth, to not waver in their faith. And they know that if they do, what do they get? They get to rule. They're given authority to rule over nations. To rule. And they receive the morning star. They receive Christ. That's our reward, right? Right, church? Through it all, when, when we you know, go on to that next stage, what's our reward? We get to be with Jesus. All these things we endure. What do we get? That's pretty good. We, we get the Lord. We get Jesus. So in closing, our, our weekly challenge, um, you know, again, it's, it's short. It's not that much. It's, it's, uh, these chapters are not that long. So this week I encourage you to read Revelation 1, 2, 3. Consider what applies to your life. It's easy to read just to read, right? But when you read to learn, when you read to receive, when you read to hear, it's totally different. So as you read these chapters, you just ask the Lord, Lord, would you speak to me through your word? What about these seven churches applies to me? What applies to my life? And you know it's so helpful because in all these cases he says, hey, this is what you need to do. Right, So think about what you allow. Think about what you tolerate. You know, as I'm standing here and, and I, you know, I have two kids, I, I think about what do I allow my kids to be influenced by? Hmm. Yeah, what am I allowing to teach my kids? If I see something going on, what am I allowing to continue? Now, I'm not saying that, you know, in your workplace, if you know there's people that are having, doing some shady things, you know, you don't just go and beat them up or something. Hey, Pastor Phil said, take care of it, you know. You've got to stop it. No, I'm saying, you know, you've got to pray about that and, and really think about, you know, how is the Lord moving you to act, to take a stand? Because it's not okay, right? It's not okay to just say, you know what, hey, I'm not doing it. It's not me. Just let it go. Right? I believe God has called us to people to be people that that are are world changers. Right? They're not just people that get by, that are just hiding out, holding on until, you know, until our time is up. But God has called us to make an impact, to bring sons and daughters back to the Father. Right? to share his love, and to just bring heaven to earth, to really show that, hey, when you accept Christ, eternity has already started. Let's pray and worship team. Uh, you can come up, and then we'll, we'll move into communion.
Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for revelation. And revelation, man, at a glance, it's, it's kind of, it's such a, it's such a crazy book. You have so much powerful imagery in there. There's so much going on, Lord, just like there's so much going on in our world. And, and uh, Lord, we know that the early church, when they read this book, they were not stuck in fear. This was a word of encouragement to them because they saw that you win. They're reminded that you're in control. So, Lord, this morning, let us be reminded that you are in control, that you sit on the throne, that the wind and waves toss all around us. We can have peace because you are God. So, Lord, I, I, I ask that you would continue to testify to us about who you are, that the words that you've spoken to our hearts would not fade away and be lost, but they would be just sealed upon our hearts, that we would remember them, that they w- we would walk with them, that they would do something in us, Lord, that they would move us closer to you. And God, let us be people that don't sit back and just say, hey, it's not me, not my problem, not my thing, but that we would see, Lord, how can I make a difference? Lord, how can I bring about your peace? Lord, how can I change this situation and change this atmosphere so that in that place your kingdom comes, so that in that place your will is done on earth as it is in heaven? Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, because this morning we get to remember what you did for us on the cross, that that you... You withheld nothing. There was nothing that you held back from us to show us that you loved us. You gave your life for us. So as we take communion today, we remember. We remember not just what you did, but what you've done for us in that you made a way that we would be restored It wasn't just that you paid the penalty for our sin, but that you restored us fully. And so when we stand here, we don't need to stand in shame. We don't need to stand in guilt. We're no longer slaves to sin. We are free men and women, sons and daughters of the Most High God. And so we stand before you clean. We can say, Abba, Daddy, We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. Your grace is enough. It's in your name we pray. Amen.